0: Jordan Love, well, he didn't get his fifth-year option picked up, but he did sign an extension. We'll dive into that, plus other fifth-year options that were turned down, picked up, and our best fits from the 2023 NFL Draft. You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi again, everyone, and welcome in to another edition of Locked On NFL. He is Lauren Cox, in for Tony Wiggins. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at CoxSports1. I'm James Zerpine, and we're going to start with Jordan Love and the Packers, which just continues to to get get even more interesting than it already was with Aaron Rodgers leaving. But thank you so much for making us your first listen. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube or check us out wherever you get your podcasts and hit that follow button and shout out to all the everydayers out there. And, Lauren, the, the Bengals on Tuesday – or the Bengals. I, I cover on Bengals, so there we go. I, I, first slip of the day. The Packers on Tuesday exercised um, not a fifth-year option but agreed to an extension with Jordan Love. So he is not in a contract year anymore. It's a one-year, $13.5 million guaranteed extension. He can make up to $22 million, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. And so now the former first-round pick in 2020 – it's not like he's going to make a ton next season, but he does have some guaranteed money that takes some pressure off of him, takes some pressure on the Packers because they haven't even seen him play yet. So it would have been tough to pick up that fifth year option.
1: Yeah, it's such a weird, unique spot as far as quarterback and team goes. Like even you know in the past with Aaron Rodgers, like they at least still got to see him on the field a little bit sooner than this before they had to start making longer term option choices for him. But yeah, it, it this this deal to me feels like neither a vote of confidence nor a vote of no confidence. It's just sort of like kicking the can down the line in a way. It's weird because like both it's both like, it's not the Packers showing their belief in Jordan love, but like, you'd also think if you're Jordan love, if you really believe that you're going to do great this season, then you would maybe want to be a free agent sooner and, and be able Mm -hmm. to cash in sooner rather than locking in a lower salary than what your fifth year option even would have been. So it, it doesn't feel like Jordan love saying, yeah, I'm betting on myself. Also, it's kind of like both sides saying, "Yeah, maybe it might not go amazing this season, but we're you know we're not going to judge everything based on just this one season." But it, it like it was a weird situation to head into this decision, and the decision they made was somehow like weirder than either of the decisions of taking the fifth year option or declining the fifth year option.
0: Yeah, it. I agree with you because if you're Jordan Love, you could have held the Packers' feet to the fire and said, "No, I'm going to go out there and and ball out, and then you're going going to have to pay me." Much like and. and It is a bit different, but Jalen Hurts, right? He had a great contract year and kind of put the Eagles in it because if they didn't pay him that way and just franchise tagged him, for example, then it would have been tough. The difference is, obviously, Love was a first-round pick, so they had the fifth-year option if they wanted to exercise it. But I think this is a win-win for both sides because Jordan Love, as confident as he might be, he doesn't know what he is. And that situation in Green Bay – I think it could work. I think maybe they could be competitive this year. And I like what they did in the draft, and we can get into that in a second. But even Aaron Rodgers went 6-10 and as he transitioned from Brett Favre. Like having that shadow hang over you is tough in year one. Even if Love ends up being a really, really good player, the Packers are in sort of a, a bit of a transition. So this way you get some a little bit more security. In 2024, and you could still make over 20 million dollars if you play at a high level. And, and the other part of this, Lauren, I think is interesting. They could always add to this. Let's say Love does go out there and plays really, really well this season and shows that he is the the future of the franchise. Well, then they could extend him again. It's not like they they have to play out that 2024 contract. So I think it gives him some long term benefit, uh, you know, for for the 2024 season that he didn't have before, without completely crippling the Packers. Lacking into a fifth-year option.
1: I'm trying to put aside any potential like implicit anti-Packers bias I might have from, <laughs> from so long, but I, I can't help but sit here and feel like, okay, Jordan Love has been in Green Bay for three full years now. This is year four. Obviously, hasn't played much. He started a regular season game or two when Aaron Rodgers was hurt, has played yeah. in the preseason. I, I totally get that you do need to see him do it in live action with you know the real offseason of being a starter and that certainly no in no way should they have a final determination on Jordan Love right now but I, I can't but feel like if he's been there for three years don't you feel like there should be a certain level of confidence to I, I don't know at least accept the fifth year option I mean no one's saying you got to sign him to a five-year max contract right now and say you know he's a mm-hmm. you know, our long-term quarterback option but like to see him to see him in the building for three years and to say you know what we're we're still not sure if he's good enough to just for a mm-hmm. fifth year option. Like I get, it's, it's a big $20 million fully guaranteed. Like you want to be smart and not commit money to someone that you're not certain about, but like, shouldn't, shouldn't they be a little more certain even just having him around the building, seeing how good he is at practice in preseason. And in, and in some of the regular season moments, isn't, isn't that enough to say like he's either he's our, he's our guy that we're really, really confident mm-hmm. or is it, is it not like, is he not their guy?
0: It's, it's tough. I, I think he could be. I just, and until you see it, even if you see it in practice, I think it's, it's that, or preseason. It's that where it's like, okay, well, let's see how it goes. It, it happens with the, the lights on and, and how he plays with the lights on. And the other part of this is it's just proof that the Packers had on Aaron Rodgers one year too long. That's all it is. They, they should have moved on after the 2021 season. They would have probably gotten more, even though they got a lot, probably gotten more from uh, the, the Broncos in a deal or whoever they would have traded him to in a deal. And then you would have been able to see Jordan love while he was still on his rookie contract because you drafted him. You didn't draft him to sit him until year four and they did And Rogers played at an MVP level. And that's part of it. At the same time, you're right. I think that there's, there's, I, I don't even want to say doubt. There's just an unknown there. And so that's why I think this is probably the best of both worlds being a guy who covers the Bears, I'm sure you wanted them to pick up his fifth-year option because then it could handicap him, handicap them a little bit. If he, if he struggled, well, then they're locked into 29.5 million guaranteed. Jordan Love would make what Joe Burrow is set to make in 2024, for example, uh, Justin Herbert what he's set to make in 2024. So that's that would be the waters they would be swimming in. And instead, I think they split the difference. And, and overall. I don't love that they picked, and Sean Clifford's from Cincinnati, so I'm well aware of his game. I don't like that they picked him in round five. Pretty shocking there. But you add Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed, Tucker Craft. They added some weapons for Jordan Love in the draft, so he should feel pretty good about, uh, about his chances of playing, at least at a decent level. You got some good running backs there, pretty good offensive line. They should be okay.
1: Yeah, I, I, love, I love the investment in the quarterback position, around the quarterback position, the year after Aaron, the first draft after Aaron Rodgers has gone. I was hoping so badly that they would use a first-round pick on a wide receiver as Packers fans have been clamoring for, for a decade now to use a first-round pick on a receiver for Aaron Rodgers. They almost did for Jordan Love, but I still got some very good weapons for him that, again, starts to remove some of those excuses as far as like, okay, well, if, if Love struggles this year, is there, is there an excuse? Oh, well, he didn't have great this, he didn't have great that. Like, you start to reduce some of those ifs or some of those buts and to give them a more holistic evaluation of their quarterback.
0: Up next, we'll continue the conversation, fifth-year options. Those that got picked up, those that didn't, and some more detail about the option because it changed in recent years, and that's probably why the Packers didn't pick it up on Jordan Love and tried to split the difference. We will do that coming up next, but today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is a one-stop shop for all things sports wagering and You need to make a fast break to FanDuel right now because the NBA playoffs in full swing. It is LeBron. It is Steph. It is Kevin Durant. It is the Joker and Nikola Jokic and the NBA playoffs. It's my favorite time of year. Basketball wise, you got to get that no sweat first bet up to $1,000 with FanDuel. It's $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't hit for all new customers all you have to do is go to fanduel.com locked on to get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars so you can wager on cp3 kevin durant maybe you think they're going to rally from an o2 deficit they could do that and you could cash in today that's fanduel.com locked on fanduel official sports betting partner of the nba lauren let's uh keep things rolling here fifth year option wise it's To me, it's interesting because it it changed a few years ago with the new CBA. It used to be only injury guaranteed, and you saw a lot of players, a lot of teams exercise the fifth-year option on first-rounders because they thought that they might take a step, and then they would be able to get out of it if the player was healthy and could pass a physical. Well, that's no longer the case. It is guaranteed. And so if a team exercises a fifth-year option – and that player struggles, it's not like they can get out of it the next year. It's a fully guaranteed contract. It's similar to the franchise tag a year early, and it's a little more cost uh, beneficial for the franchise, but the the concept is essentially the same. Are you surprised by any of the the guys that didn't get the fifth-year option picked up? Patrick Queen, we talked about him before the the, the show started, the former first-rounder, linebacker for the Ravens. They went and they got – uh, a, a guy in Roquan Smith that you're familiar with to to pay him, and, and obviously let Pat off for for Baltimore. He's a perfect fit there. But as far as Patrick Queen is concerned, he's one of the many that didn't get their fifth year options picked up.
1: Yeah, you start to look at just like the list of players from that first round, and we've seen I think it pretty well coincides with this you know becoming fully guaranteed now, and and teams being a little bit more hesitant to commit to that as a guaranteed money fully in advance. Now, the priority seems to be on like the premium position, especially you look at this year. It's all the guys that got their fifth year options generally tended to be quarterbacks, offensive tackles, wide receivers, and cornerbacks. Like across the board, those were the majority of the fifth year options that were picked up. Whereas the guys that were not were a lot of, you know, you mentioned Patrick Queen, like linebackers, like, 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 uh, like Queen and like, uh, the uh, Ch- Clevin Chasen from the Jaguars as an edge guy, like uh, Chasen, yep. Yeah, And a few different, like the running back, Clyde edwards helaire doesn't get his fifth-year option picked up, and, and like guards and centers haven't gotten a lot of their options picked up. All of the like lesser positions, Te- teams are not willing to commit that fifth year fully guaranteed because either A, like these guys aren't so valuable to them that they feel like, oh, we got to make sure he's locked in. Like we can find, it's easier to find replacement level players at those positions if you end up not being able to re-sign your rookie or – those players are also just cheaper to re sign to long term contract extensions anyway. That it's not mm-hmm. like you're saving a ton of money and you may end up spending more money on that fifth year option. It might end up costing you more than whatever the long term contract extension would be that you reach with that player on a per year average. So it just financially, it's no longer making sense for teams to take those fifth year options on those less premium positions. And there really feels like this year and now moving forward, it's going to be a lot more reserved for. You know, if, you're not, if you're not using that first-round pick on a tackle, corner, wide receiver, or quarterback, like, a lot less likely that those fifth-year options are going to be exercised.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's a good point because you look at some of the top guys whose options were declined, and naturally Chase Young is the biggest name, I would say. But it's injuries. It's not necessarily performance-based because mm-hmm. I think if he had played well, then they pick it up easily, and, and that's an easy one for them. Well, All of okay. the guys
1: – If go, you don't mind – there's there's a lot behind the scenes with Chase Young that is not super publicly out there yet. And I don't I don't no. I don't feel that liberty to get up. But, but uh, that yes, injury is part of it. But there was some the, the injury situation last year had some situations where maybe he was, you know, not as injured for as long as perhaps he was listed as injured for and was kept out for longer than necessary because of other things going on off the field. So there's some there's some additional oh. red flags there that make the commanders very hesitant to have him be a long-term part of their organization. And I think makes it unlikely that he gets traded for something significant, that teams are going to be hesitant to give up a lot to go trade for him if they do end up trading for him.
0: Wow. See that? No, that's a good nugget because I think I can feel the number of people listening like, man, our team should go after Chase Young, well, You know, locked on NFL listeners and their favorite teams. So interesting. That's, that's interesting that they did that and part of it is again, it's guaranteed. And that's, that's tough. You're right. If there's other flags or just injury, but other flags too, then, you know, it it might scare you away. Jeff Akuda wasn't eligible for it. Um, But Isaiah Simmons, they turned him down and you're talking about linebacker. There's three linebackers on this list. We mentioned Patrick queen, Kenneth Murray, who coming out, it was like, man, outside of Simmons, he's such a great linebacker. They turned his, fifth year option down. So he didn't get that exercise. The tackles Jedrick Wills did. Andrew Thomas had his picked up. Uh, Defensive tackle Derrick Brown had his picked up. Like a lot of the tackles hit. And so it is quite interesting to look. The the wide receivers that ended up being good players hit. uh, Jalen Rieger not. Justin Jefferson did. Um, CeeDee Lamb did. So you're right. The premium positions part of it is is a good, good point. And the other part is here landing spot matters. You know, it it just with some of these guys landing spot matters and and it didn't work with some like Brandon Ayuk. I don't know if he, he gets his picked up if he ends up in that situation that Jalen Rager did in Philly. And I'm not saying that Rager and, and Ayuk are, are the same player. Ayuk is obviously a better NFL player, but you go with Kyle Shanahan, you go into that offense and now you look up and he's just turned into a really, really good player for them. Dynamic weapon alongside Debo Samuel. So, uh, a lot of these guys did get their options picked up, but uh, a couple couple big names that didn't. And moving forward, why take a linebacker in round one? I mean, I guess unless you're the Lions, but if you're just talking about an off-ball linebacker, not someone that's getting after the quarterback, this is kind of an example of that. Isaiah Simmons was a freak coming out. Didn't make sense uh, to, to pick up his fifth-year option, Murray, and then obviously Patrick Queen.
1: It, to me, it it not that it's exactly the same as the running back, a conversation because the, the positional value and the length of their careers are definitely different. But to to me, I feel similarly. Like if you're if you're a really good team that feels like, man, we just need a linebacker to put this defense over the top and really make us a Super Bowl contender, then we can talk about using that first round pick at the linebacker position and it being worthwhile. And I think it's kind of a similar thing at running back. Like if I'm a team that just my running game is like my one big offensive weakness, but I I've set at quarterback, I'm set at receiver, I'm set on the offensive line, and I just need a dynamic player. Like that's when I can take that position because it's more of a like those become more like win now type of draft picks, as opposed to guys that are at more of the premium positions that get the fifth-year option picked up that are more like, you know, longer-term foundational pieces that still generally seem like better uses of your first round pick, but it, it's more justifiable if you're in a situation where we're just a linebacker or a running back away, even though they might not be players that down the line, we're going to use our fifth year option, but it's still worth it for at least those first four years of their rookie contract to get cost controlled play at a position that might not be as valuable as others.
0: Up next, let's continue the draft conversation because we just talked about some guys that worked and their fifth year options got picked up. Some that didn't, we'll talk about some of our favorite fits, not necessarily first round fits, but favorite fits and landing spots in the 2023 NFL draft. Let's keep things rolling here on a Wednesday edition of Locked On NFL. He's Lauren Cox in for Tony Wiggins. I'm James Rupin. Who stands out to you, Lauren, as a as a perfect fit, great fit? We talked uh, we talked a few weeks ago when you were in for Tony and the Jackson Smith and Jigba to the Bears. We tried to speak it into existence. That did not happen, um, obviously. But uh, you were able to land Darnell Wright in Chicago. But what's uh, what are some of your favorite fits in this class?
1: I do think as far as like a team and a prospect, right, right in Chicago are are a nice fit in terms of a scheme that can make up for some of his deficiencies. But I, 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 first of all, I don't want to talk about an offensive tackle for five minutes, but also, you know, it's not fun talking about my own team. The one that stood out to me right away was a Quentin Johnston going to the Los Angeles chargers later in the first round there to be able to pair like a big, long, fast vertical wide receiver in that offense with, with Justin Herbert. And I mean, obviously like they still have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, for now, I mean, there was all that talk about whether Allen would be around or not. And it seems, to, seems like we're going to get one more year of that. But, you know, Quentin Johnson, obviously still a, a raw route runner, still a receiver who needs to I think, learn to play a little bit more up into his body. But it's like all the physical tools you look for to be that game changing potential number one wide receiver on the outside. And to let Justin Herbert load up in the pocket and fire downfield to somebody like that, I think really should be a lot of fun. And in the meantime, like still in year one, you, Quentin Johnston doesn't have to come in. And be that number one wide receiver. You still have Williams. You still have Allen. He can be a little bit of a, you know, a slightly lesser role. So you don't need to ask him to run the full route tree right away. And he can he can grow into that role slowly, but still make some big explosive plays for that offense. I think that's going to be really fun to see those two work together for the next five plus years.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a, a good point. I'm going to give you a round two guy, and someone that I, I think was over drafted, but I think when you're the team that does it. it in in a weaker wide receiver class, it, it makes sense. Rasheed Rice out of SMU to the Chiefs, I think he can come in and contribute right away. Has good size, 6'1", 204, good route runner, someone that when you lose a Juju Smith-Schuster who say what you want about his TikTok game was a big part of that offense, mattered in that offense, you need to get a, a little more reliability there. I know they have Kadarius Toney. I get it. They still have Travis Kelsey and other weapons. Uh, you know, maybe you're you're hoping that that one of the young wide receivers takes a step forward. That said, I, I like Rasheed Rice. I think he could come in there and, and certainly help them and and make an impact. So that would be a guy in in round two that makes sense. Round one, it's interesting because there's there's not many weapons, but one team that stood out to me that just seemed to nail the draft was the Steelers just the guys they got, like you get Broderick Jones and you're able to get Jerry Porter Jr. or Joey Porter Jr. Excuse me. And then you come back and uh, you, you get Darnell Washington in round three. Like, I, I think that they just continue to land quality players and uh, I'm missing one like Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin. Yeah. Really like him at defensive tackle as well. I thought they had a, a pretty good, pretty good haul for Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah. Benton was one of the names I was going to go to next. Benton to the Steelers. Like he's yeah. a guy who's positionally versatile for them. And like, I think You can throw him at the nose tackle, especially in, like, passing situations, and he could be – he's not hes not light, but he's just not – you know, he's not your traditional zero-technique, 350-pound nose tackle, but one of these more, like, new-age, you know, aggressive, high-motor nose tackles. But then he can also play the five-technique down in base end, and if you want to put him at three-tech when they go into the nickel packages. Like, to me, he's, like, a classic – Mike Tomlin defensive lineman who can just do a little bit of everything for them. Like really. And and to be able to pair him with cam Hayward to be that guy that can mold him. I think there's enough similarities in the skill set there for those two guys to feel like you've got the, the the past, the present and the future with those two guys sort of handing the baton off on that Pittsburgh defensive line. That's going to be a lot of fun.
0: My favorite day three pick or one of them. And I'm not, I'm not letting any Bengals be eligible just because why, why go that route? Yeah. I love Darius Rush, the cornerback out of South Carolina to the Colts. I thought the Colts had a heck of a draft too. And Rush was someone that I thought maybe could fall to like pick 90, 92, like so late round three to get him with the last pick of round four. Anyone you talk to about Cam Smith was, was like, Oh yeah. Darius Rush is really good too. Like clearly he impressed evaluators fell for whatever reason. Maybe there's multiple reasons. Um, so that's one observation. The other is how fast the quarterbacks went in this class. I I was surprised at the run on quarterbacks, and it kind of started with John Clifford, uh with, with the Packers, but like Clayton tune end of round five. Y- you know, um it's just or or, or sorry, end of uh yeah, it, start of round five, excuse me. I just you had I don't you know had like st- I I
1: Stetson Bennett right before that and Aiden O'Connell, the Raiders, like right at the end of that round four there too. It was a a weird run of like seventh round quarterbacks were going like in the fourth and fifth round. It was like, okay, this is is something you got to get your guy, I guess.
0: Yeah. Like going ahead of guys that I think like Israel Banikanda, I get it running back, but I would take a over and I'm not saying, you know, that Arizona needed another running back or Cleveland needed another running back, but. Dorian Thompson Robinson at the, you know, the start of round five, it just seems early to me uh to, to go that route, but uh, just a, another observation, a- any, anyone that stand out to you in a a negative way or just draft theme that, that stood out.
1: I was going to say with, with the Cardinals and Clayton tune two too like, why, why even, I mean, like I get it, but like why draft the quarterback in the fifth round this year when you, when you might have the number one, number two pick next year, like you can anticipate that they're going to have two really high draft picks next year that could presumably, be a quarterback or be in a position to take a quarterback. So I don't know why I even bother taking a fifth round guy this year when, I mean, I get somebody to develop there, but uh, one of the names I B. want to Colt throw
0: McCoy's out. backup, I guess, to be caught McCoy's yeah. backup. If Kyler isn't ready. I don't know. I, I agree with you.
1: It's just, it's a weird spot, but one of the names I throw out there, a uh, Tajay Spears to the Tennessee Titans, Ooh, yes. pair, yep. that kind of athlete behind Derrick Henry. Like to me, oh, those God. two are a great pairing that, you know, it's a little bit of that thunder and lightning that, I mean, obviously Henry, Henry's got plenty of speed too, but Spears being a great receiver out of the backfield, like that just feels like a great complement piece there. And potentially, you know, a long-term option there. I don't know how much longer Derrick Henry's career is going to go in Tennessee. They're kind of in this like half transition period that they got the quarterback now and they got, you know, we'll see how that goes. But like Spears has some of that RB1 upside for that backfield down the line, but can certainly thrive in a rotational role, at least for now behind Derrick Henry.
0: Yeah, I, I love Spears' game. I, I do. I think his potential is a three-down roll, can catch the ball out of the backfield, all of those things. And he gives you some insurance. Maybe the right trade offer comes for Derrick Henry this offseason. And if that's the case, you can go that route, or you're right. Platoon him and uh, keep Derrick Henry fresh so he can get those long rounds in. Um, make sure you, you check out Locked On NFL Draft, all of our Locked On shows. Thank you so much for listening during the, the draft. It was a, a huge, huge week, huge month. Uh, for Locked On NFL, for Locked On Bears, for Locked On Bengals, and certainly Locked On NFL. So appreciate you for listening. Make sure you check out Locked On NFL all week long on YouTube or follow wherever you get your podcasts. And for Lauren Cox, I'm James Rapine signing off for now. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On NFL.